something I must confess to always finding a struggle is reciting the Lord's Prayer and keeping my mind on the subject matter. So often we know those words so well that we allow our minds to wander and we can be thinking about all sorts of things. Recently in an army meeting I found myself wondering how many times I might have recited the Lord's Prayer and how many times I'd actually concentrated on what I was praying. Well, I guess however many times it is, it won't be anywhere near the amount of times that it's been recited by Maisie and Commissioner Reed in their magnificent combined 180 years. But talking about the Lord's Prayer, I was reminded recently that it's about 30 years ago now that I was sitting in the home of the Reverend Tony Cox in East Peckham after one of the many gigs that I played with the rock band Blood and Fire, and Tony introduced me to his extremely grand harmonium organ. I sat and played that wonderful instrument for the next half an hour or so, and in the process wrote a new tune to the Lord's Prayer, which I later recorded and placed at the end of Blood and Fire's second album. Well, I re-recorded that song more recently for a CD that I hope to be able to release next year, and I thought it might be nice to share it here today. So this is me, or several me's by the end. My youngest son, who's ten years old, said I sound like a choir that should be called Only Dads Allowed. Well, here's our father. Deliver us from 
now to our army special to mark the end of going to the army's first year of ministry. We heard the founder himself earlier, and no celebration of this kind would be complete without his song. So here from Westminster Abbey, at the special service held there to mark the army's centenary in 1965, are the Centenary Choir, the International Staff Band and Trumpeters, and the Cathedral Organist, with O Boundless Salvation, arranged and conducted by Commissioner Dean Goffin.
quite tremendous to hear that great sound reverberating around the walls of that wonderful old building. And as we now approach as an army our 150th birthday, I pray we will always keep the army's message and ministry of taking the gospel to the world. Keep the old flag flying, you might say. And with those words in mind, what better march could we wish to hear now than Major Leslie Condon's celebration? To end this section of the podcast then, here is, with flags waving and a Royal Albert Hall full of Salvationists, Celebration.
Once again, it's been wonderful to celebrate God's love and his power and to thank him for raising up his army, the Salvation Army. But I'm now going to end this podcast in a much more sombre mood. For although I believe we should always try to celebrate life as much as we can, we must also remember that there are times when it's hard to celebrate and it might be much more appropriate to remember and to commemorate. Our Salvationist comrades in Canada have just this very week been remembering the tragedy that occurred exactly a hundred years ago last week when the ship, the Empress of Ireland, left Quebec, started her journey down the St Lawrence River to the Atlantic and thence to the United Kingdom. On board were 1,477 passengers and crew, including the Canadian staff band, and 167 members of the Salvation Army who were travelling to London for an international congress. In thick fog around two o'clock in the morning on the 29th of May, a Norwegian vessel collided with the side of the Empress, damaging her severely below the waterline. The ship began to take on water so rapidly that within a few minutes she'd listed so badly that the lifeboats were unable to be launched. Within ten minutes, she'd rolled onto her side, and around a quarter of an hour after the collision, the Empress slid beneath the surface, throwing those still clinging to the wreck into the near-freezing water. Rescuers were hampered by the poor visibility, and survivor in the water temperature was measured in minutes. 1,012 of the passengers and crew lost their lives, including all but nine of the Canadian staff band. I've been working with friends over the last year or so towards the publication of the autobiography of one of the early army pioneers, Commissioner Hugh Watmore. And his son, Guido, was one of those bandsmen who perished that night. And it was the commissioner himself who addressed the Congress a few days later in London with these words. There are those in this gathering whose cups are full of sorrow, and others whose cups are full to running over. I represent the latter, and have been chosen because my measure of sorrow is so full. If I may speak one moment of my own and my brave wife's sorrow, you will understand me better. Here I referred to our loss within a few weeks of my mother, my sister and our son. We, the relatives of the dead, have been called upon to pay a heavy price. What for? That question has been asked in my hearing a hundred times during this terrible week, and some have waited for me to answer as if I could explain what's in the mind of God. People in the train, 
in the street and the devil himself would have seemed to expect that because of my perplexity I would curse God and die. But what gain would that have brought me? Instead, I found comfort in this explanation that there is nothing to which God attaches greater value than the spiritual life of his people, both as regards communities and individuals. And I know that nothing could have happened better calculated than this calamity to have turned our eyes inwards to our own hearts and upwards to our God. If this is God's price for the accomplishment of his greatest purpose, then we bereaved feel that in giving our sons, brothers, wives and husbands, we're especially honoured in thus being contributors towards the sum. We must not let our eyes rest on the sepulchre or the sea, but beyond. For there our sight will be dazzled with the brightness in which our loved ones now dwell. When the Canadian staff band toured Britain in 1983, they brought with them a piece composed by Robert Redhead that used music and scripture to commemorate this tragedy. The piece was called Deus Vobiscum, God Be With You. And we're going to end this podcast, most appropriately for this month, with that piece. And may God be with us all, now and always. Deus Vobiscum. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is my strength, my song, my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. separate us from the love of Christ? Shall troubles, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. Rejoice in the Lord always, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Rejoice!
the floods engulf me. Rescue me, do not let me sink. Deliver me, do not let the depth swallow me up. Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. Come near and rescue me. Redeem me, redeem me. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 